This episode of Brailcast Extra is made possible thanks to a grant from the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information about the Trust, visit its website at wcmt.org.uk. Welcome back. Coming up, using Braille for public speaking, recorded on Tuesday the 16th of February 2021 and introduced by Dave Williams. Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Braillists Foundation, our regular Tuesday evening masterclass session taking place each Tuesday at 7.30pm. This week we will be exploring the topic of using Braille for delivering presentations, so public speaking, Uh, If you're a great orator or maybe you've got that first speech lined up, you never know when you might be called on to do a a best man speech or, you know, obviously uh, perhaps less cheerful, maybe uh, deliver a eulogy. So uh, it's an important skill to be able to have. And how can Braille support you in that endeavour? Well, as ever, Holly Scott Gardner will be guiding us uh, through this subject and, of course, taking your questions as well. A reminder, of course, the session will be run in line with our moderation policy, so we ask that you remain muted unless invited to do otherwise. On moderation duties this evening is uh, Ben. Good evening, Ben. Evening, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm very, very well, sir. Good to have you as always. Thanks very much for your moderation. And uh, at the appropriate time, you'll advise everybody uh, on how they can raise hands and and how the the whole moderation thing works. But hopefully most people fairly uh, familiar with that process by now. So uh, that's uh, pretty much it for for introductions. Just a reminder that the Braillist Foundation, uh, we are dedicated to promoting Braille. More Braille is pretty much our strap line. So uh, we do this in a number of ways. On Thursday evenings, we have our regular uh, weekly book club, which now has been subdivided into an intermediate and a more advanced group. So if you were thinking that the book club perhaps wasn't for you, maybe now's the time to give it a try uh, because there are different groups available. So that's from 6 p.m. on a Thursday. Uh, And on Friday, we have our open forum where we can uh, take your questions and have a catch up just before the weekend uh, gets underway. And then Monday evening, continuing apace, next week will be week seven of our Braille for Beginners course. And that's at 7 p.m. And all the information about that and all Braillist events is on the Braillist website, braillist.org slash events. Uh, Don't forget, you can join our forum. Braillecast is our podcast and we're also active on social media at Braillists on Twitter, uh, and you'll see us popping up on various uh, Braille-related Facebook groups as well. Uh, That's pretty much all from me, Dave Williams, uh, the chair of the Braillist Foundation. It now gives me great pleasure to hand over to our leader of all things Braillists uh, training, Holly Scott Gardner. Good evening to you, Holly. Hi, Dave. Thank you for your introduction. I'm really excited to be back teaching this second part to Braille for presenting and public speaking. So last week, there were many of you who joined us to learn about using Braille to deliver presentations, but specifically with various pieces of software such as PowerPoint and Google Slides. Well, we're going to kind of build on that today and look at actually handling the public speaking side of things. So maybe you don't have a presentation to go along with it that has any slides. What you're doing is getting up on a stage or in front of a room to make a speech. And how do you do that as a blind person? And we're going to focus very heavily on Braille, both hard copy Braille and using a display. But I'm also going to talk about some general tips for being a blind public speaker, because I think these things are all very much related. You know, it's all about being comfortable on that stage and being comfortable making your speech and managing any equipment you have with you. I will, unlike last week, take some questions throughout the session. I will split it into different kind of topic areas and then take questions after each one. And I'm just going to hand over to Ben to explain a bit about how you can ask your questions. Great. So um, there are a few different ways to raise your hand in a Zoom meeting for anyone who isn't familiar, um, depending on what platform you're using. So if you're on Windows, you can press 
Alt and Y. If you're on Mac, it's Option Y. If you are dialing in on a telephone, that's star and nine. Or if you're on an iDevice like an iPhone, iPad or iPod Touch, you can find the More button uh, in the bottom right of your screen and then press the Raise Hand button from there. And uh, for anyone who hasn't been to any of our events before, we try to give people a little bit of warning if, uh, if we're going to come to them just so that... Uh, just so that you uh, don't get caught uh, off guard if you're making a cup of tea or anything like that. So we'll say, uh, first we're going to come to Holly, and then after Holly we're going to come to Matthew, just so that everyone knows what order we'll be doing the hands in. Great. So we're going to start this session by talking a bit about writing your script. So this is, I suppose you could say, a point of contention or debate. Do you write a script when you deliver a speech. Now, some people will say, no, no, I don't write a script. I just have bullet points of five things I want to include in my speech. Other people will write a word for word script. There is no one right way to prepare to deliver a speech. And I think this is really important to stress that whether you're a blind person, whether you're a sighted person, how you choose to deliver your speech is really up to you and your individual presenting style. So I find that I do different things in different situations. When I'm delivering something like this, which is in a way a form of public speaking, I actually have bullet points that I refer to to think, oh, have I covered everything I wanted to say? When I'm delivering something like a keynote speech, I may actually write out the entire script and read it, usually off a display, though not always. It depends on what I have available to me. So this is something that you can kind of make a decision on based on what setting you're in and who you are as a person and what you feel most comfortable doing but if you do choose to write a script there are several ways in which you can use braille to do it now i personally always choose to write my presentation script using electronic braille so i'll write it on a braille display paired with a computer or I might write it on a standalone display or braille note taker. And the reason I do this is because very, very rarely is the first thing I write what I end up with in the end. Usually I write something and it's okay, not horrible. And then I read through it and I think, ooh, whilst it's not horrible, it's also not very good and I need to change this. When I'm reading out this sentence, it doesn't flow very well. Or even I might think something like, well, I like these two points, but they definitely need to be swapped. So the second point actually needs to come first. And the real advantage of drafting your script using electronic Braille is that you get all the advantages of Braille, being able to proofread, really being able to sit down with your thoughts and delve into what you're writing in a very personal way but you also get the advantage of being able to edit it very easily when trying to edit hard copy braille absolutely possible you could put another sheet of paper in a perkins or in your slate and stylus and while you're reading through your original script you could take notes and say oh you know on third paragraph change point a and replace it with this and then rewrite the whole script with those changes implemented absolutely possible far more time consuming than editing electronically. Some blind people will disagree with this. Some people really find the whole process of drafting by hand in hard copy and going through that really long review process. They find that an important part of actually their planning for the script. And I, I don't want to um, say that that isn't correct because I think, again, it's very personal. It's almost like novel writing. You'll find that some sighted people who write books will write even now in no notebooks and they'll have all these notebooks all over their house that they write their novel in and other people will write their entire novel on a computer. And I think that is what it comes down to as a writer. There isn't actually a right way to write, which is an interesting sentence to say. So it's up to you how you do it. But I would definitely recommend if you're unsure, start with drafting using electronic Braille. And if you're finding it really isn't working for you, then absolutely go to hard copy um, because you're just going to have all this flexibility with editing. And that's something I really value in uh, writing this script because 
I go to deliver the presentation and I always make sure I rehearse my presentation or my speech multiple times and I'm always changing things. I'm always thinking, well, actually, this doesn't work very well. When it comes to actually delivering the presentation, though, if I'm using a script, I try to make sure I have it in hard copy. This isn't always possible. Um, in October of 2019, it's quite to think it was that long ago I delivered a speech at a blindness convention and I used a braille display to deliver that speech and why I used a braille display was because I wrote the speech the night before I delivered it and I didn't have a Perkins or a slate and stylus with me so I was limited by effectively the technology I had available to me did it work absolutely it went off without any problems whatsoever but as we know technology can fail and unfortunately does fail far more often than we would like it to. So one thing I find really, really important is if possible to have a backup copy of my speech written out in hard copy braille. And if possible, I'll read from that copy. And that means that I'm not relying on a piece of tech that could fail. I also have a horror story about delivering a speech um, at a university where I was using a braille display paired with my phone and I wasn't very comfortable with this configuration. I didn't like the display I had. I used it, I like I count the amount of times I'd used it on one hand because I didn't like the display. I didn't like pairing it with my phone and how I'd paired it in the app I was using to read off. And I was using, I don't know if it was pages or a different app to read. And every time I reached the end of the page, it just wouldn't automatically flip to the next page. And I had no idea what command I needed to press to get it to flip because I just written this very, very quickly and had thought, oh, I'll be fine. I'm a good tech user. No problem whatsoever. It was a disaster. And all I could think was, wow, if I'd actually had these notes in hard copy, whether it was notes or the full speech, this would have been far less painful. As it was, I just had to go with what I knew was in my speech and try and wing it. And there is something to be said for that. You know, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has technology failures or experiences, embarrassing things. It's not just you. It's not just because you're blind. Sighted people go to deliver speeches and they spill their coffee on their notes before they go up on stage, you know. Or again, they're reading off a computer and their computer runs out of battery or something else hideous happens. It's kind of part of what you expect as a public speaker is that at some point in your career it's going to go wrong and a lot of um how this turns out in the end is up to how you handle it you can either cry or shout or throw a tantrum or you can kind of laugh it off or come up with a very calm alternative and I would definitely recommend the latter because there's no point in being angry or upset it doesn't get you anywhere it actually increases your stress levels and the truth is nobody likes to watch you fail nobody wants you to fail unless perhaps you're a politician and then we maybe get some satisfaction from it but in general nobody wants to watch you make a mistake and so the audience are really rooting for you and they want you to do well so I think you know if you do experience technology failure then it's okay to just brush it off. If you think you can make a joke out of it, do. If you think you can actually hide it and not let the audience know it happened, do that as well. You have options. Um, and it's worth thinking about, you know, what will I do in these situations? Though the truth is you can never actually predict how your tech is going to fail. You think you've prepared for all eventualities. You haven't. So I do advise hard copy Braille um, or preferably both because, again, you could have your braille display nice and safe maybe you know it's you've got it on a, a strap and it's hanging over your shoulder and then you spill your coffee on your hard copy notes so actually you go back to your display so it could go either way um related to this is using cue cards so cue cards are something to be used when you don't want the entire script written out but you do want a text-based prompt. This is particularly useful if you're delivering a speech and you just want some bullet points and you want them in a certain order. One thing I like to write down, if I'm not speaking from a script, I really like to write down any statistics I'm going to use because inevitably I'm going to forget them. They're the one thing I'm going to forget. How many percent was it? Or how many people did this? Or 
you know, in what year did this happen? So I try and note down those really important things that I think I'm never going to remember that. And maybe what I'll do is at the top of the card, I might jot down, you know, the first point I want to make and then a couple of things relating to that. So I might jot down something about, let's say I was talking about blindness and employment. I might talk about how the employment rate for blind people is lower than most disabled people. And then what I might do is write down the number of blind people in employment, the number of disabled people in employment, the number of non-disabled people in employment. So then I'm not writing down everything I want to say, but what I do have written down is those really important things that I need to make sure I include in my speech. How to produce cue cards if you're a blind person, because surely having a handful of cards and trying to read them is a nightmare absolutely so lots of sighted people will just have their cue cards and they might lay them out and I find that doesn't work for me because what I do is I go to read one of the cards and then I accidentally knock the rest of them out of order or I slide one too far and it falls off the table and then I have to go and try and find it and it just becomes a nightmare so I like my cue cards either to be in the form of an A4 sheet of paper with just bullet points in order or I like to put my cards in a small ring binder. So in the session I led on using Braille for languages, um, I talked about the RNIB address book. And the RNIB address book is this very small ring binder that comes filled with um, small pieces of Braille paper which are on fairly thick cardstock. And this is perfect for using as cue cards because it's in a small binder it's not huge so it's not the size of a4 by any means so you can easily keep it in your bag and put it on a small space but it does have these cards in and again you can flip them over so you can put your cards in order and then read from them like that so I really advocate for using this if I'm going to use cards because it's the perfect size and it works really well now you can either write these cards on a Perkins brailer or using a slate and stylus. I tend to go the slate route just because I don't own a Perkins brailer. So again, it's all about what tech you have. And you can, you know, write your cards out on a display first, edit them, get all your points in the order you want them, and then put them down on paper. Again, this is another option. So you don't have to start all of this because one thing I'm kind of precious about is not wasting my paper. Um, particularly when I've got decent quality card for Braille. So I may write down all my points first, get them in the order I want, and look over them and think, right, I've got everything I want to say, and then produce my cards. So I'm going to open up for any questions. So just a quick reminder while we uh, wait for people to raise their hands, if you do have a question, you can raise your hand by pressing Alt-Y on Windows, Option-Y on Mac, Star 9 if you're dialing in on a phone, or if you're on an iDevice, you can press the More button in the bottom right of your screen and find the Raise Hand button. Um, we've got a uh, We've got a couple of uh, we've got a couple of hands raised, so uh, we're going to come to Neva, I believe it is first, and then after Neva, we're going to come to Alan Dite. So, uh, with apologies for uh, doubtlessly mispronouncing your name, uh, Neva, you are unmuted. Thank you so much. You did pronounce it correctly. Oh, there you go. That never happens. I have a Focus 14 and it with my iPhone. And I'm wondering if you could advise me on apps that are uh, friendly with the Focus 14 and the iPhone for taking, uh, writing out a script and or making my cue cards and my bullet points. And a, a secondary question, does the RNIB um, address book have, are they three and a half by five? I seem to have lost connection. I don't know if anyone can hear me, but I can't. 
I am so glad you said that. I was literally just sending a message to the contingency plan WhatsApp group. Okay, so uh, we're still getting quite a few people uh, rejoining. Now, I believe we were currently answering a question around a uh, Focus 14. I and... a question about which app to use. And I would say for note-taking, the actual Notes app on your phone works quite well. I, I definitely have used it with displays and... Um, I find that it, it's sufficiently basic to not be a headache, but it does enough that you can make lists and things like that in it. So I, I would actually go with that, but I'm, um, I guess, kind of a basic person. <laughs> okay. So the Notes app is the one that also uh, uh, synchronizes with Microsoft Outlook, correct? Oh, possibly. I don't have my Outlook set up to sync. Um, Okay. All right. Well, I'll test that out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and then my you could email it to yourself. If not, there is an option. True. Um, my second question: Did you hear that about the the size of the cards for the RNIB notebook? Because I love the idea of having the cards if I'm using yes. actual brailled cue cards in a ring binder. Because I've been known to have a handful of cards and drop them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's a disaster. I'm going to see if Matthew knows what size paper they are because he is the Braille paper expert. He's going to be cursing. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking this up uh, as we speak. I have an index. If you go to braillists.org slash braille slash consumables, there's a huge list of this. Unfortunately, the sizes are in centimetres rather than inches. Um, I can convert. So apparently the RNIB Braille indexed address book takes... Um, yeah, what do they measure? Nine by 14 centimetres, which I think might be nearly three by five, but not quite three by five. But I mean, okay. you could, okay. it, it depends what you want to use them for. You could always like get, get it and see how well it works. Yeah. What I've done is use the standard three by five cards that, that we can buy here. You know, unfortunately, the quality because they're all on recycled paper now is just terrible compared to what they used to be. Uh, but then I just punch one hole in a corner and put one of those rings you can open and close uh, oh, yeah. in it to keep them together. But thanks for that. I appreciate it. No problem. Great tip there. And thank you for your questions. Thank you for bearing with us during uh, that uh, minor technical difficulty. Uh, we're going to come to Alan Dite next. And after Alan, we're going to come to Marsha. Uh, so, Alan, you are unmuted. Can you hear me, Ben? Loud and clear. Right. Simple question, Holly. I'm thinking of writing a script in Braille. Can you yeah. give me any guidance about lines? Should I write on every line, or is it easier to read when you're giving a presentation to leave a line space? So I find that I don't necessarily give a space between each line, and I think if you're a really fluent Braille reader, you know, you're used to reading single line space Braille. So that should be fine. What I do tend to do, though, is um, give a line break in between paragraphs just because it gives me that break to say, OK, cool down for a second. You know, this is the end of the paragraph. And I make sure that I really indicate that to myself so that I have that break. I don't personally put a space between each line. I mean, I would if I was doing bullet points, perhaps. Um but not if I'm writing out the entire script. Great. Thank Thanks. you, that's all. Thanks for that, Holly, and thank you for uh, a great question there, Alan. Uh, last, but by no means least, for hands, we'll come to Marsha now. Uh, Marsha, you are unmuted. Ah, thank you. You can hear me pretty good, huh? Yep. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, oh, good. Um, what I was... Um, wondering on on the cue cards, mm -hmm. what I did for my last week presentation is I had just a few notes that I went over with in Microsoft Word that I had in a Braille display. Yep. And then I was able to, this I'm going to be doing at this point. This I will be doing the second, you know. For example, I was giving the presentation on the clinic um, and taking the class through the work. I said, okay, we'll have, you know, we'll number one, listen to the whole cycle. Two, um, 
listen to it and I would describe it as it's playing, what it's doing. Three, if you know it permits, uh, have you know comparison and stuff like that. So I kind of did just little crib notes that way, so I kind of know what sequence I was doing. Right. And then, then everything else was pretty much you know off the cuff, and and then I went in and wrote, you know, and and read the translation of the work in you know from the original German to English. And got away. I think I got an A on that thing too. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Uh, it's definitely, you know, a way to do it. And I think there's been more than one occasion when I've, you know, presented using my notes in Word and then with a display. And I think it's all up, you know, depends on what you're doing in the space you're in as well and how whether you could set up a computer and all of this. So it's absolutely a way to do it, you know, using your display too. Definitely. Uh, great tip, Marsha. And uh, that's it for now in terms of hands. So come back to Holly with uh, just over half an hour to go. Great. So I am going to talk about setting up the space you're in. And you might think, OK, what does that have to do with Braille? But I think it actually has quite a lot to do with it. And it certainly has a lot to do with being blind. So I like to know something about the space I'm in when I go to present. I want to know if I'm sitting at a table, let's say I'm in a whole long line of people who will be called up and there's only so much space at the front of the room. So we're sat in tables around the room. How do I get to where I've got to present from where I'm sitting? And so I like to go over this before I go up there, because the last thing I want is to be juggling a folder full of notes, a braille display, a cane or dog, and trying to find my way up to the front of the room and it it does not make for a pleasant or stress-free experience so what i like to do is ask you know first well can i explore the room before people come in i also want to know you know is there a specific pathway i'm expected to walk through because what can happen is particularly if you've got a guide dog your dog sees a pathway and goes right we're going to go up this way and it's not necessarily wrong but if every other presenter has followed a specific route that's marked and you haven't it looks a bit out of place and we can talk about whether that's wrong or not and I don't think there's anything wrong with it but if you're really wanting to blend in and, and you know deliver this really smooth presentation I think it's very good to prepare yourself to be moving in that space first um so that is one thing I do and I would say whilst that doesn't necessarily relate to braille it is part of you know not feeling too stressed out and there's nothing worse than just that high level of anxiety when you haven't even started speaking because being expected to deliver that speech is enough on its own without the concern of how do I get up to the front you could also ask someone to bring you up to the front if that's what you want if you feel like actually you're carrying too much stuff or you're not confident there's nothing wrong with that it's about finding ways that work for you so once I'm actually at the front of the room, there's several things I need. Well, I don't want to be trying to hold my display in one hand and reading with the other. Because that is firstly kind of difficult. Secondly, your hand is going to get tired, especially if you're delivering like a 20 minute keynote. Your hand is going to get really tired holding that display where you try and read it with the other hand. Also, not all of us are as fast at one-handed Braille reading. I'm sure there are many of you who will say, well, I only read one-handed and I'm great. And I'm a bit jealous because I'm definitely a two-handed Braille reader and um, I would not want only one hand on my display or my binder full of notes, which has definitely happened before. Um, one option is that you can hang your Braille display around your neck so on this on a strap and yeah, it kind of works but it also it isn't great for your posture and is a kind of strange way to be reading it um so what i like to do is make sure that the room is set up with something or that i can put my display on and this is actually very normal in public speaking settings to have some kind of lectern at the front of the room where people will put their notes or you know maybe their computer if they've got one. So it's, it's very good to go and check that out first because height is a big thing when you're reading in Braille. If the um, table or stand that your Braille display is on is really high up compared to you, it's going to be an awkward reading experience. Equally, if it's you know halfway down your leg and you're practically trying to reach down to your knee, 
to try and read Braille, that's not going to work either. So what you need to do is check out the height of that stand first. It's not enough to go, oh, is there a stand? And for the person to go, oh, yeah, there is. And for you to think, oh, that would be fine, because it might not. I've had to improvise. I've delivered presentations at university where I haven't thought about this. And then I've come in and I'm standing and the table in front of me is quite low. And we've had to gather dictionaries from around the room and stack them up to put my display on top of it to give it the height it needs for me to be able to comfortably read. Now, you do what you've got to do. And I have absolutely no shame and I'm not embarrassed particularly in an academic setting to be like yep can we just pile some books up here for me to rest my display on top of but obviously if you're at a corporate event and you're expected to deliver a keynote firstly there's probably not a whole stack of books lying around and secondly you definitely don't want to be getting up to the front of the room and having to pause and ask everyone to scramble around to find things for you to put your display or your ring binder on so that is a piece of advice that I would definitely give and I, I feel like that is very much related to braille and how we can read braille comfortably. Um, what I would also say is that if you're presenting from um, an electronic format, particularly if you have a computer involved, you really need to think about where's that computer going to go? Do you need to plug it in? If so, where can you plug it in? And these are all questions that are totally acceptable to ask when you're you know, expected to deliver a presentation. Again, particularly in corporate settings, this is very normal. Um, the event coordinator should know the answer to all of these and should be able to field those kinds of questions and give you a satisfactory response. One tip I got from a blind friend who's done some presenting in his job is that he has a spare laptop battery. And he carries this spare battery and it's charged just in case because he has had experiences where he thought his computer was charged and maybe it went on standby or something happened. The laptop dies, all his notes are gone. Now, I would argue this is absolutely um, a case for having a backup in hard copy. Uh, this particular friend would probably argue absolutely not. I'm going to present electronically. So the nice system of meeting in the middle is to have a spare battery. And I would say don't bother investing in that if you're going to deliver one presentation in your life. But if actually you have a job that involves a heavy amount of presenting, it is something to think about because um, you definitely don't want to be caught out. Another thing I would say is just making sure you feel really comfortable in that space. You know, and this comes down to the positioning of the stand or any table that you have. Um, so make sure that you are able to look at your audience even if you can't see them you definitely want to be facing them and this is another thing I always find out you know where are my audience going to be are they going to be directly in front of me are they going to be any people sat or stood around the side of the room and I try and ask these questions because I can't stand at the front of a room and know where all the audience members are so it's really good to have that kind of information. I think as a blind presenter and public speaker, actually it's okay to be very direct and ask a lot of questions and you know really insist on getting this information because ultimately it's about you being able to deliver the presentation that you need to. So that's really how I approach setting up the space. I would say another thing I do is um, if I'm using a rigid cane that doesn't collapse, I will lie it on the floor as I speak. Um, and if I'm using a cane that folds, I'll fold it down and again, I'll put it on the floor. And the reason I don't fold it down and hang it around my wrist is because if I'm trying to read Braille and my cane is around my wrist and it's bumping against the table and it's just it's such an inconvenience. Um, I want access to my cane. You know, I don't want someone to take it off me and put it somewhere safe while I'm presenting because like anyone, I want the freedom to move around. Also, if um, there is, you know, an emergency and we have to evacuate, I definitely don't want to be having to go, where's my cane? Um, but equally, I don't want my cane to get in the way of me actually speaking and particularly reading. So that is another tip that I would give you. In terms of resources, um, I'm going to come on to some of these very quickly. Now, I would say this RNIB indexed address book would be my primary go-to resource. The size of it is just perfect for small note cards. Um, you can buy refills. 
So let's say if you're using it for speaking and you, you know, use a lot of the paper, you can buy refills of the paper um, at a reasonable price. So that's always a good one. You can also improvise and, you know, buy a binder yourself and buy some cardstock yourself. Or I liked the suggestion that was given of, you know, just clipping the cards together with one ring. You can also use uh, treasury tags and things like that. I, I personally find it not as much of a smooth experience, but again, that's me being very particular about how I like things done. And um, I don't think everyone is that specific. Um, another resource I would suggest is invest in a small slate and stylus, even if you don't love slating, if you realize at the last minute that actually you need to add in a statistic or a point that comes up, or maybe someone earlier in the event that you think is really interesting and you want to reference back, oh, as so-and-so said earlier today, and you want to make sure you remember that great way of just quickly jotting down a note to put in your um, list of cards. So I always carry a small four line slate and stylus in my bag. So I would definitely say invest in one of those. Um, if you do have a Braille display and you have no choice but to wear it effectively and present like that, you will want to invest in some kind of shoulder strap for it. And I don't hang it over my shoulder. I hang it like around my neck. So it's hanging down in front of me so I can read it that way um, when I'm presenting. Not ideal, but nevertheless useful and certainly an option in a pinch so those three things I think are what I would say the most important um of course really the most important thing is that you find a strategy that works well for you and that you work on different techniques and you know some people are going to be people who say well I'm only ever going to present using a braille display I I can't read hard copy braille you know there are blind people maybe they have neuropathy and they cannot read hard copy braille but they read well particularly using something like an orbit so I think that again you know totally fine develop these strategies think about whether your speech requires an actual full-length script or whether it requires bullet points definitely definitely rehearse um Sometimes I find that just the way a word is written in Braille really throws me off. And this might sound so strange, but sometimes I'll be rehearsing a speech and every time I'll trip up on a word and it's because I've written it a particular way. And maybe I have to change the Braille I'm using. You know, maybe I have to write that word out in grade one or use something different. And ultimately, only you have to see this script. So it doesn't really matter how you choose to write it. The main thing is that you feel comfortable delivering that speech from it. So you know, using Braille is using it for yourself, not for anyone else. Um, be really mindful of that space you're in. Find out how, you know, to get from where you're sitting to where you need to be. And definitely check the height of that table or stand. So we have about 20 minutes left. We actually have quite a bit of time left. Um, I'm going to open up for questions, chat, discussion. Great. Thanks for that, Holly. Uh, we'll just give people a bit of time to raise hands. You know, I, I have visions in my mind of you sort of frantically running around a room looking for dictionaries. And it's sort of, it's bringing back all the, uh, all the memories of the uni presentations. And I think it's, yeah. it's sort of, for me, it's one of, it's one of those things where um, you, you sort of, you have one experience like that, and then you sort of make a promise to yourself that you're never, mm. ever going to put yourself in that situation again. Um, so we've got a we've got a few hands raised. So we're going to go to Theo first, and then after Theo, we're going to go to James. Uh, so Theo, you are now unmuted and good to go. So I was wondering, so I can make all these notes in the Apple Notes app. But I was wondering, what's the easiest and quickest way to emboss those notes because they're not actually documents. Um. So I don't know if you can emboss from if there's any way of embossing from ios what you could do is email those notes to yourself and then run them through duxbury and emboss them that would be honestly how i would do it because i have no idea how to do it any other way um so that that actually if you know if you want to write the notes on your phone um and then you have access to a computer yeah i mean matthew's really the embossing expert so i will push this one onto him because i don't know of a better way of doing that you're welcome to push it on to me, but I would have just said exactly the same thing. Either email it to yourself or uh, put it in a file 
I mean, it, yeah. it's probably easier just to email yourself, but you could potentially put it in a file and put it in Dropbox or something. But yeah, um, get it onto a computer is, is the easiest answer. There are some embossers that have um, air print support and things like that. The new index embossers you can emboss um, through a web app and stuff like that. But honestly, it's not worth it. Just email it to yourself and do it through the computer. Well, there might be a slightly geeky way if you want to uh, go all out and set up a Linux box to do it in the middle. Uh, there's a package called Cups, which is the uh, print server on Linux, which I believe may do that. But obviously, that's a, a fairly involved project. But great yeah. question, nonetheless. Um, going to come to James Bowden next. And after James, we're going to go to Teresa. Uh, so thank you, Theo. And hello, James. You are unmuted. Hello. Um, yes, I would actually agree with that, Matthew. Um, I would always, always go through Duxbury rather than getting the embossed to do everything, especially on the layout, because that layout, making sure your notes are easily readable is vital, as Holly said. Um, I was going to say on the subject of lecterns, be aware that some of them will tilt. And if your Braille display has thumb keys, that might be an issue. Um, just because the Braille display might actually hit the edge of the um, lectern and not actually be able to use the thumb keys. Just be aware of that one. Um, personally, I much prefer using hard copy Braille, um, except where the air conditioning got in the way and froze my fingers, but that's another story. Um, the other point um, with lecterns is microphones which is a whole subject in itself mm. but you must make sure you know where the microphone is because if i suddenly do this and wander away from the mic nobody's going to hear yeah it's absolutely true and actually your mention of microphones made me think of also um be mindful of what you're using because if you're using something like an orbit to present from you've got to bear in mind that that orbit is fairly noisy device and you may be best off presenting using hard copy which is going to be a lot quieter certainly than the orbit is so you need to think about you know is is the microphone picking up that sound so i think actually asking for a sound check in advance if you're unsure of your tech situation is wise um so that at least you know what to expect if nothing else that's right. And then again, of course, the converse is if you are using hard copy Braille, make sure you don't hit the mic with the pages when you turn them over. Yeah. Well, it's all about, you know, where that microphone is in relation to you and your paper and everything else. So yeah. I definitely think being very aware of that space. I mean, I always try and be very aware. The problem I always have is that I'm usually coming on stage after someone who is inevitably taller than I am so I'm having to mess around with the microphone anyway but that's a height problem not a blindness one <laughs> yeah so. yeah yeah all good stuff yeah definitely great tips there as always James uh, so we're going to come to Teresa next and then after Teresa we have a deal uh, so uh, Teresa you are good to go Oh, okay. Hello. Um, I just wondering. I have never uh, done presentations uh, with a braille display because when I used to do them um, at university uh, for class presentations, computer were still sort of coming out. Um, so I was wondering if. Uh, when you don't have an 80 cell, but in my case, I have a 44, um, how, how um, would you manage in uh, reading and at the same time um, trying to pan to the, next, um, to the next point of your presentation? Um, it seems to me that it, it's a slow process and um, that makes uh, that would make uh, stress um, increase because um, one would feel that you know, the audience is sort of waiting and 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 you are being slow. What what is your experience in in that sense? So uh, 
I would say it really depends on how you're using your Braille. So if you're using bullet points, it's a bit easier because you just read um, the point is sort of there as a prompt and then you talk quite a lot and you can be reading the next point as you're talking. Now, if you're using an actual script where you're reading the whole thing, I think you really have to be a very fluent Braillist to do that. Unfortunately, I don't you know, I don't want to say people can't do it if they're not, but it is one of those things if you're reading word for word off that script, you need to make sure you can read at a pace that is um, considered fairly typical of your speech pattern. Um, so if if that is a struggle, I would definitely recommend going more towards the condensed notes form. And then you can have read your bullet point and really be discussing that one as you pan and start reading the next one. And it, it takes some practice. So I would say lots and lots of practice of that presentation because it will feel a lot smoother to you than it will. The first time through is never good. Um, so probably go through several times because you want to iron out some of those problems. Oh, oh, oh I see. Right. Thank you. Oh, another question is um, in, um, in, in terms um if if one uses for example powerpoint for a presentation um would uh you do I, let me see would the slides be done uh using uh these uh sort of notes you know bulleted notes Yes. So most, um, if you go for the kind of standard PowerPoint design, your notes on the slides will be in bullet points and you can read them using a Braille display. So actually last week we did a session on mm -hmm. PowerPoint and um, I will put the link for that out so that everyone can access that and listen to that recording because yes, you can absolutely read those bullet points using a Braille display. And showing at the same time those lights to the organs, right? I mean, yes. doing the presentation... Yeah as if I were doing it uh, just on the computer, but instead of that, uh, using slides to do the yeah. same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So the audience can see it and you'll be reading it as well and it will be in sync. So it works quite well. Great, thanks for that, Teresa, and uh, hope you uh, hope you get into doing presentations uh, once again very shortly. Um, we've got uh, a couple more hands. We're going to come to a deal next, and after a deal, we're going to come to I believe it's Fola, F-O-L-A. Apologies if I've mispronounced that. And after that, we uh, don't have any other hands. We probably do have time for a couple more questions. So if anyone wants to uh, write on cue, we're getting some more hands. But if anyone wants to raise a hand, that's on one Windows, option one Mac, star nine on phone or more button, then raise hand on iOS. Uh, so we're going to come to a deal next. And uh, after a deal, we're going to come to further. So hey, Adil, you are unmuted. Uh, hi, Holly. Um, hi. Uh, I'm, I've just got a quick question uh, regarding, because you mentioned you use a shoulder stop for your Braille display. Um, where did you buy the shoulder stop from? So it actually depends on your display. So I had a Braille note and that came with a strap on the case. So it depends on which display you have. Normally you can get cases for them, which will come with some kind of strap. If your case um, just has the hooks for a strap, you should be able to buy them from any kind of shop that does like laptop straps, as long as they've got mm -hmm. the clip that can clip into that on the case. So it's really about whatever case your display is in. Thank you very much. Great question. And, uh, you know, that's one of those answers where it's sort of, it, it's quite simple, but actually finding a strap for a Braille display is one of those things that's really kind of hard to Google. So, uh, yeah, right, exactly. Definitely. Can I just um, add a little bit to that question, um, yeah. to that answer? It's a very good answer. Um, just to point out that when you buy a shoulder strap, it doesn't come with uh, attachments. And I make that point because I think a deal you might be using an Orbit reader. Um, that may not be in a case the orbit reader does actually have two uh, holes that are very hard to find uh, but you will find them now you know they're there and you can just thread a piece of string or something through those holes and attach a shoulder strap to those pieces of string that you've threaded through and tied a knot in and that should be sufficient as long as it's fairly thick string great tip as always Matthew so we're going to come to Fola next, uh, next and then after uh, Fola, we're going to come to Kawal. Uh, so, hey Fola, you are unmuted. Thank you. Um, I'm looking for a bit of advice, really. Um, I 
was taught, or they tried to teach me Braille when I was a child, but I wasn't really interested. Um, so now I'm <laughs> relearning and taking your Monday classes. Um, but I really want to learn because of the um, ability to use it for presentations and meetings. And was thinking of buying a Braille note taker or something similar. So I was looking at the orbits and I was wondering what you thought of it. Um, that is a great question. I'm actually not an Orbit user. I have seen them. I think the Orbit is a very, very good display and certainly it's a very affordable one. So the Orbit is extremely popular. Um, if what you're wanting to do is some note taking to pair it with a couple of devices, you know, a phone to read books on it, I think the Orbit is great. It's not enough for me i want a display with more cells basically is is my thing but actually i think the orbit is really good for what it is i know some of the other brailist people do own the orbit and i don't know if they would echo that that would be my opinion actually i think yes yeah, certainly as a first display it's, it's a good option thank you um i heard you say it was rather noisy is that going to be a problem do you Personal opinion. I mean, again, a lot of people don't find it a problem. I think most people that you come across are very understanding. By noisy, I don't mean it's horrifically loud. It's just you can certainly hear the the moving of the dots. Um, it's not as loud as an embosser by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it, it really is personal preference. Yeah, I, I, I've got one um, on the desk in front of me, and I'll just turn it on and let you hear. Um, that's the sort of noise that you get from it. And then if you move down to the next line, you know, and I'm just moving down by line now. So actually, if you were doing a presentation and you put it, you know, off mic, yeah. it probably wouldn't actually be all that audible. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just something to be aware of. Other Braille displays are quieter. They're also at least double the price. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I do think the Orbit, certainly if you're a beginner, I mean, I think it's a great, advice to to really get your teeth into great thank you very much and the other thing i'd suggest which may be slightly in depth for someone who hasn't yet purchased one but we did run a webinar um late last year uh, about the orbit where our chairman uh, dave williams who's a very keen orbit user sort of walks you through its capabilities um he does go a bit in depth around how to use it so uh, you may not find that all of that stuff is relevant to you, but if you do want to take a sort of uh, just under an hour's long deep dive into how it works and how it feels to use, if you go to braylists.org slash media, you'll find it there. Uh, you, might, you may have to scroll down a little bit, but if you, uh, if you do a find for Orbit or, or something similar to, to that, then um, you, can, uh, you can catch up on that webinar there and hopefully that might be useful to you. Great, I'll check that out. Thank you very much. No problem. Great question. We're going to come to uh, Kawal, and then after uh, after that, we're going to go to Alan. Uh, so uh, now you are unmuted. Uh, so you are unmuted, but we can't hear you at the moment. Uh, and. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of uh, slightly wary as to whether we can hear you or not, just in case it's one of these Zoom problems. I can't. Uh, no. Oh dear. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we we will try our best to come back to you um, in due course. Um, we we do have uh, we do have a few hands uh, raised now, so we're going to come to. Uh, Alan Dite again, and then after Alan, we're going to go to uh, Jean. Uh, so, Alan, you are unmuted. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, the host is I'd, not allowing. I'd like to say, make a comma. I'd like the to tell you about something that was said to me. Um, I'm a totally blind person, and I worked for many years in the BBC. Chris Jenkins. And I used to give talks weekly. Yeah. And after I'd done a few of these, one of the senior producers came up to me and asked me how much I could see and would I be upset if he told me that I wasn't paying enough attention to my audience and I should find out how long the rows of seats are in front of you 
and move your head from side to side, not continuously like a robot, but make sure the audience get the impression that you're looking at some of them all the time. He said, it's not a, if you can perfect that, it's not only good for you and your presentation, but you will look so much better on the television. I think it's definitely true. And learning about body language as a totally blind person is really important. And one thing I'll always do is, you know, if something I say prompts laughter, particularly from a particular section of the room, you know, I'll look over to them and smile and things like that to make sure I appear more physically engaged as well. Because I do think we have a tendency to stand very, very still at the front of a room and we don't want to overly move, as you say, but it's getting that balance between not being frozen and not moving too much. So that's a great point. Absolutely, yeah, because once I started doing it, um, I found so much benefit. Yeah, it's definitely true. Great to hear from your experiences there, Alan. Uh, we're going to come to John next, and then after after John, we're going to go to... Uh, we'll try uh, Calwell again, because uh, we have uh, just a, a few minutes to go now. But now, John, you are unmuted. Uh, yes, hello. Um, I noticed that we're what we're kind of doing is uh, sharing our experiences a little bit. I, I don't actually have a question, and I think that's because uh, everyone obviously has their own style, as has already been pointed out, and we all have to kind of figure out what works for us. Um, but I just wanted to make a, a sort of an observation. Uh, I do agree uh, with Holly that the 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 orbits are kind of loud to, do, to be doing presentations or recording with. Um, but uh, one thing that I want to say is that there's a lot of old braille display tech out there that's still useful. So um, all I'm saying is that people should uh, not necessarily feel like, you know, because some of the units are so pricey and so on that, that they have to go for the newest and greatest thing. Uh, what I found is actually um, some people have, you know, old note takers and so on that they don't really use anymore. And uh, they're willing to part with them for a pretty low price. And you can still use some of those things for things like doing presentations. Um, I have a Braille Note Empower, and uh, it's one of the 30, 32 cell ones with a QWERTY keyboard. And I really like it for presentations because it's portable. It's a single unit. And uh, yeah, you can put it around your neck or you can put it on a table or something. Um, it has arrow keys so you can sort of zoom around in your file and find text really quickly. Um, you know, I do podcasting and I used to do uh, more uh, personal presentations and, and I like to use that thing because it's, uh, it's so self-contained and the braille is really solid and it has little thumb keys that, you know, you, you, your finger just sort of naturally falls on it when you get to the end of the line so it advances nice and smoothly and quietly and then there there are a lot of old uh, things like that that you could still possibly take advantage of you can do your work on a computer and then just transfer a text file you know i, I use notepad for everything so i i'm not fancy but um you know it works really well so everybody just needs to find their strategy i think this is so true. And actually, I was thinking when you mentioned older tech, I was thinking the Apex, you know, which has obviously just come after the M power, you know, another good option if, if you do, you know, if you can find anyone who's willing to part with one for quite a low price. Also with second notepad, um, I have no time for writing notes and anything else unless I'm actually submitting a document to someone but yeah no it's it's very true and I, I think you know you're absolutely right if if you can find some older braille tech certainly for things like presenting and just basic stuff they're great because you're not needing them for actually interfacing with anything particularly advanced definitely uh great tip there we're going to try and squeeze oh it's actually half past so we'll just try to uh go to carwell again uh just ever so quickly uh i've tried to unmute you again you are unmuted uh but we still can't hear you so really sorry about that um if it's okay with holly uh can we try and squeeze uh finley in yeah that's fine okay hey finley you are now unmuted hi so um i too use obvious printing um from my experience they're pretty good yes they are loud but Unlike most displays, like the Braille Note and Fruit 14, they don't have thumb keys. So if you are using a thing which is slanted, you don't have any danger of your 
presentation being ruined by the funkies, which is a big help, really. Yeah, I think the orbit is a bit of a thicker display, so maybe it doesn't get pushed up as much at the bottom. Um, it, it's definitely good to, you know, try that and see if, if when you're resting your display on something, if it, if um, you, you know, it is automatically scrolling or if actually um, it's working well. So yeah, I'm glad to hear you've had a good experience with the orbit. Definitely, always, always good to get uh, first hand uh, testimony. So uh, we don't have any hands, but we have had some great questions uh, throughout this session, actually. But uh, it's uh, about time to wrap it up now. So I'll hand over to Holly and Matthew. Well, I'm just going to wrap up very quickly and say thanks everyone for attending. Next week, we're going to kick off a two-parter on note-taking. So I'll talk about taking notes for other people and taking notes for yourself. And I'm going to cover all kinds of things in these two sessions from um, really how to condense your notes when you're just writing rough notes for yourself to actually using Markdown to produce nice notes for other people and being able to read them easily in Braille as well. So very brief explanation of what's going on next week as you're registered for this session you can jump on next week with the same link um, and if you think anyone else would be interested then pass around the registration link to them great so uh thank thank you for that holly um i don't know if matthew's here the reason that i've called on matthew is because he is actually our host for this evening so he has uh, the ultimate power to the ultimate end the power. meeting I, I had forgotten that i had the ultimate power but yes i shall uh, i shall end the meeting now i don't think i have anything else to say other than uh, yes don't forget braillists.org media uh, if you'd like to catch up on previous recordings or the brailcast podcast and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week.